Welcome to episode 44 of Agency Phonics. We are live today on both LinkedIn and YouTube. And I'm delighted to say that Pete is with me today. Pete, welcome. Hi. How are we doing? Pete's been missing for the last few episodes because... The last 43. <laughs> the last 43 <laughs> episodes. But, um, but I'm glad to say Pete is with us today. And our very special guest is Gareth Simpson from in brackets, Seeker Digital. Um, I will get to Gareth in a moment. I just want to start off by just, as always, just thanking uh, the people that make this show happen. So a massive thank you to Abby and to Caitlin uh, behind the scenes, making all of these episodes happen. Also a massive thank you to Forecast, who are the, the project management software that seems to be the, the project management software of choice right now, I would say, amongst our clients and friends in agencies. Uh, they very kindly support everything we do. Agency Nomics and Agency Phonics is a social enterprise, not for profit, and they help us fund our community. So we're eternally grateful for all the support that they give us. <laughs> Links uh, to them are in the show notes. And yeah, so welcome, Gareth. How are you? Hey guys, yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Really good. Where in the world are you today? Uh, over in Bristol, at home in Bristol. That's almost Seeker HQ. Is it your home, not your office, though? Yeah. Yeah, spare bedroom. At the start of lockdown, I like I just ransacked the office and took all the uh, as many as much equipment as I thought I would need because uh, I didn't know how long we'd be camping out for. And uh... I mean, with the sign in the background, you definitely could be <laughs> in the office for sure. So, so, so I'm really excited to have you with us as our guest today. Um, you know, uh, you guys achieved an incredible um, achievement last year. You became a Deloitte Tech. Fast fifty age, uh, fast fifty business. Sorry, tech fast fifty business, and which is an incredible accolade. What, uh, what was your percentage growth? I mean, I think you've only been going for about five years. So, in your first five years, you achieved what was it? Um, Sixteen hundred and eighty-three percent growth. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that is just an incredible number and an incredible. And where did you come in the league table? Number twenty-five. It was. Uh, That's good. It was a tough year, actually. The leaderboard was really tough. So very happy with that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I think 1,600 in past years gets you in the top 10. So you're right. That has been a... And it's amazing that actually you got, despite COVID, you still managed to get in there. But I think that, you know, I I think obviously the the space that you're operating in is is quite a fast growth area as well. So I guess that kind of reflects... uh, you know your your entry into there. Do they do a European one as well? Are you is, is that is that? Yeah, we're into here. We've automatically entered into the European um, uh, awards as well. So um, yeah, just waiting to hear the announcement on that. So we'll yeah. see how we come. So before we start talking more about what Seeker does and um, mm-hmm. what you guys do, it'd be great to get a little bit of a background on you. Now it's weird because I remember many years ago bumping into a very very young guy. I mean, it must have been how many eight years ago. We're, uh, it was 10, I think Peter and I were just uh, chatting, it's about 10 years ago, we think. 10 years ago, I was in an office, just to tell everyone, I was in an office and this this guy walks in, it's very, how old would you have been then? Because you're quite young now. <laughs> uh, well, it must have been about 20, 23, 24, yeah. So this 23-year-old walks in the office with what I can only describe as a backpack that looks like it is a jetpack. It's like a radio <laughs> clearly that could communicate with Mars or something. And he takes off this and he's, he's in army, half army gear, I think. And I was like, what's going on? <laughs> and uh, so t- can you tell us a bit about what that was all about? Well, yeah, at the time I was, um, I was a, an army reservist. So um, it, it must've been a Friday because what often happens with, with the reserves on Friday, uh, you go from your day job, your office job and straight, straight to the, uh, to the base to, uh, to do some, uh, some, training over the weekend uh, sort of friday saturday sunday so yeah i used to have to um to beat the traffic and everything load up you know bring all my kit to the office and shoot straight off usually get picked up by someone so yeah it's um yeah that's a while ago now I haven't been in yeah for a while. and so you were but you were basically at the time doing freelance is that right freelance kind of digital marketing work well, uh, what when when well, we you had your own business what was it <laughs> ah right uh, well prior to that um i guess yeah, when we first met, we was um, obviously when you were coaching uh, an agency founder that I, I worked for. Prior to that, um, I was, I mean, I started my first, I got into tech um, as a teenager and I started my first agency 
uh, yeah, uh, sort of 19, 20 years old at first. Um, so, uh, yeah, um, my it was my dad that got me into SEO. He, uh, yeah, 15 years ago. I've just done a talk today on uh, Brighton SEO about this, actually. So, uh, yeah, he handed me this book. Um, he had a website, uh, a hobby website about his, um, yeah, his favourite hobby. Just ask, what year was this? Because this must have been quite early. 2006. Oh, okay. Yeah. 2006. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, like SEO was very, very new. The internet was, I mean, it was still very well established and, you know, everyone had internet connections, but it was, it was slow and very primitive in comparison to what it is now. And SEO was very much a, um, a, uh, a primitive industry still in, in its beginnings. And, um, yeah, my dad handed me, well, he said to me, have you heard of this SEO thing? And I was like, no, no, what is it? <laughs> he was like, you should learn about it. I think it's going to be big one day. And it, well, yeah, he's right because it's. Uh, he you handed know, you the SEO for Dummies book. Well, and the rest I, was of the gonna, I was just going to ask, what was the book that he gave you? It was uh, it was an instruction manual for some link building software, and yeah. uh, uh, he said, like, check this out. Let me know what you think. I think it's going to help me with my website. And I worked in IT prior to that. I um I didn't didn't go to uni or anything, but uh, I got just loved tech. I'd always been into technology, and um, uh, yeah, so I, I was interested in the web naturally. And I read this um, this manual for this software. My dad bought it, and I said, "See what you can do with this." So I just experimented, played around with it, and uh, that's how I got into into link building. And amazing. Uh, um, your dad's now you know exited Amazon. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <yeah. laughs> Well, we got the website to number one for its like top keyword, its top term at the time, and uh, tons of traffic, and it's still going now. So, yeah, so that was my foray into into SEO. So, so how did you get? So, did, so then did you turn that that situation into having your own SEO business? Is that how it started? Or yeah, well, I, I mean, I just I'd always been a gamer, and I just loved the the gamification of SEO. It just felt like a big game. And I was playing, I you know, com, com, completely like playing against the computer, right? Uh, and that's what I was doing. So I was making my moves, learning, um, you know, planning my strategies and things, and just seeing the results, able to rank number one, like throughout the UK for you know really high profile search term. Just I just loved it. So uh, I started doing it for uh, for other business owners. My dad's, you know, was like, hey, like, look, look what my, uh, you know, my. My, my son can do and, and uh, got me working on their websites and then eventually that that turned into an agency so uh, um yeah that sort of young age i was i was running an agency for um for a couple of years i think uh, but i was so young and uh you know and i it wasn't much fun just working at home on my own and uh, eventually i had a, an outsourced team and uh uh you know based based all over the world and um but yeah, it was just like just a bit boring being at home. You know, Friday Friday after work drinks weren't weren't great. So I realised I just needed to get out uh, and work work for some of the businesses. Uh, yeah. As well. So, so forward the clock then. So, so yeah. when you started Seeker, how did how did that all come about then? Well, I went on from that job uh, to well for, from running that agency to working for other marketing agencies. Um, including 2020 uh, at the time, which I think I remember speaking to you about 20, 20 years ago, and then uh, various various agencies and a couple of in-house roles. And uh, I was doing an in-house SEO role, leading an SEO team um, at the time on my 29th birthday. It'd always been my plan to go back and start an agency again and uh, to pick up where I'd left off, basically. And I, my ambition was to do that before I turned 30. So on my 29th birthday, I went into, into work, sat down at my desk and thought, what am I doing? I've only got a year to hit to hit that ambition. So um, I didn't know I was going to do this at the time. But on my lunch break, I sat in the park on my phone, on my iPhone and registered, uh, registered the company uh, on, on company's house, uh, went in after my lunch break, handed in my notice. And uh, a month later, there I am at home in my living room thinking, right, what got done? I got to pay my rent. Do you think do you think that it was important for you because you know I, this topic comes up a lot and I spoke to this incredible uh, entrepreneur this week who I'm going to get on the show 
who's um, started an agency straight out of uni. Do you think, and, and, and I always sometimes, I really value, I was 27 when I started Gareth, and I really value the years that I had working for other people first. Do you think that going back, that really helps you or or do you think it doesn't really make a difference? Absolutely, yeah. I think it, it, it moulds your, your mindset. Um, so, you know, especially not going to uni, I had, if I look at the various people that have influenced and um, uh, positively impacted uh, me and um, my understanding and uh, my knowledge, firstly, it was when I first started that agency, it was the online communities, uh, online bulletin boards and the forums. SEO, like, I mean, I dropped out of college because I just felt the content was out of date. Uh, <clears throat> I was studying IT at college and I thought, I'm learning more online through bulletin boards, especially in uh, such an early um, industry or young industry like SEO and, uh, and especially link building. So uh, it was the people online that really educated me to start with. And then working through uh, for a number of agencies, uh, you know, a big network agency and then a, a couple of you know smaller boutique ones. Each of those experiences has added a little bit to my um to my own, I guess that was my education. And even even the army actually was really beneficial, especially on the leadership uh, side. So I went on from being a, a communications systems operator as my, as my role was to an instructor, uh, basically in a, in a phase one training establishment. So uh, training, training soldiers. So I got my, um, my teaching qualifications. I got uh, loads of irrelevant qualifications, like, you know, uh, you know, to the to the roles that I'm doing now, fitness and uh, weapon handling, things like that. I was I, I was instructing all of those, but it taught me how to lead and it taught me how to coach and manage. And um, it, uh, yeah, it was, some of it was really tough as well. So, um, Gareth, I've always wanted, I've always been curious actually to ask this question. Like, there were a lot of business. Like, you see a lot of the kind of you know. Um, uh, and I can't remember the name of it now because uh, the Jocko Willis book, but you've got a lot of kind of ex, you know, uh, Marines and mm. a lot of, you know, a lot of sort of books that are war based teaching you about business. There's always seems to be this kind of correlation. Mm. Do you think that, you know, I mean, I think you sort of started to say that I think there is clearly some things that the training gave you, but do yeah. you find that there is some really good lessons that you can learn from? you know, from that more military side of things that take transfer into business? Because it seems like everyone always talks about their, their, their yeah. yeah? Yeah, um, definitely critical thinking. Uh, in fact, you actually even do like modules and lessons on, on the leadership course on um, how to take a scenario in a situation and work through um, uh, certain questions to ask yourself and then create a plan um, and a, a strategy. And uh, the other thing I would say that's been really helpful is SOPs, processes, procedures. And uh, that's having that understanding because the, the Army is such a massive organization. And uh, and yet, I mean, it's probably, t you know, definitely too far for, for other environments, but they teach everyone to uh, to react in uh, to, to certain scenarios in the same way. And uh, whilst, um, you know, Seek is a very open, creative um, agency um, with lots of creative work going on. The procedures and processes, you need that infrastructure to be able to scale in the right way, I think. Uh, so implementing that earlier on meant that having that, that backbone in the business meant that as we took on more people, they were able to, uh, they had the support and they had the direction and the guidance on uh, with their own roles and how to, um, how to move forward with their work and things. So... Uh, yeah, it definitely helped from a... Um, you know, the thing that I really, I really think that the agency world should take more from, and that is the fact that the army tends to drill, right? Yeah. They practice time and time again for events mm -hmm. that may happen infrequently or may never happen. And I think in agencies, we lack those drills sometimes. Like the, you know, the I don't know, there's certain times like like being... Uh, practicing your pitches so you're ready when you have to pitch you know um, practicing asking maybe difficult questions that you have to do when you're qualifying or when you're trying to ask for referrals like yeah. or when you're selling it's I think there should be more role plays and there should be more 
drilling in agencies, uh, you know, mm -hmm. to actually in terms, especially around communication and stuff like that, because some of the some of the events that happen in agency don't happen that often, right? And when they yeah. do, like negotiations, a good one, Pete. I guess you yeah, don't often exactly. have to negotiate, do you? For no, you don't. I mean, probably three or four times a year for something you know of reasonable size, and you have you need to be match fit for those situations, like you say. You know, pitching, for example, in the traditional sense, probably doesn't that happen that often. Um, and having the systems and processes in the background, you know, making sure you're you're ready for those situations is vitally important. I think. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's it's interesting, and and I think what about the the sort of the way that they organise their they organise themselves? Because I know that organisational charts, Gaff. Uh, the sort of a lot of the 20th century sort of org charts came originally from sort of military, according to Frederick Laloux's book, Reinventing Organizations, came from sort yeah. of military and religious hierarchies. Do you think there's, but you, I think the modern army works very differently, doesn't it? It kind of empowers and it, it builds a lot of autonomy into kind of units and stuff. So, uh, you know. Yeah, I think it's probably um, a lot more of that now, but uh, yeah, it certainly is, it, you know, it's a, uh, it can be, it is quite it can be quite rigid and um that was a big transformational change certainly for me uh coming out from that style of leadership and i've now learned to to cherry pick the bits from from what i've learned there for uh for the agencies in times things like pitches like you know there's a set structure uh, when we take on a new client we have there's a um, you know we go through that that process the gap analysis the competitor research the keyword research it's it's different for every client, but it's the same for every client in the same way. The stages, the the project, uh, especially in the beginning, is the same until we've built their bespoke strategy. So the fact finding, the discovery, um, you know, is uh, is very much the same. And now, uh, you know, you mentioned uh, reinventing organisations, and some, you know, something we've we've talked about the teal teal organisation and yeah. uh, uh, moving moving towards that that culture. Um, is uh, you know it's what we're, what we're striving for, and so so you've now set this uh, agency up, and you're yeah. 29 years old. Uh, did you and how did and like did you did you in your have in your head have a vision for how big it was going to be, what, what it was going to? I mean, obviously, clearly you knew the type of services you wanted to offer. Yeah. Um, but did you? I mean, a couple of things really, because the SEO world has massively transformed in the past what 10 11 years since that kind of massive sort of crash that happened around you know yeah. the poor quality link building yeah and what was that update google did and it kind of like just everyone lost their positions didn't they april 12 20 2009 i think was the penguin one point yeah penguin that was it yeah, yeah. and um, overnight everyone lost the, the really high positions because they'd had poor quality link building going on or yeah. Yeah. Deemed to be poor quality Mm -hmm. yeah so um yeah i was working for um a, a rather large seo agency about 60 70 people at the time and uh yeah there was um it was commonplace the sort of link building tactics that were going on right across across the board i guess the industry didn't know any better um it was still in its infancy still and uh yeah there was uh, of course it wasn't the work wasn't always adding value to the web. So, um, and Google and the other search engines, of course, are in the business of putting the best websites in front of um, its its users for a given given search term. So um, the, the link building tactics that were going on then were kind of um, muddying the waters a little bit um, on that and creating extra noise which prevents google you know uh, from being able to identify you know the, the, the best site so it was the right thing it was a good thing for the industry yeah. but had um, you picked up on the because you obviously started sort of i i personally think in the last like 24 36 months it feels to me like your world has exploded significantly yeah. so you've had five great years of growth but did you did you spot this when you started did you suddenly sort of see a sea change you know a change of direction in terms of uh of, of the, yeah. the way going, or was it just lucky timing a good guess i think we were probably a bit before the uh we were before the time uh when it yeah. became kind of mainstream again and um uh yeah at the time it was still you know everybody went to ground and nobody was you know the big corporates after investing huge amounts in link building prior to that because it was profitable it was very very effective work um you know the 
um, yeah, the big corporates at the board level were saying, okay, no more of this. And uh, and then it went it went quiet. You know, it was still like there was still it still happening, still going on, but um, uh, it certainly wasn't mainstream. And but I think what's happened is that, yeah, and then you know that's when I that's around the time when I started Seeker, and uh, I thought this can be done well. This can be done in the right way, in a, in a way that adds value to the web. Uh, you know, that Google will like, and of course is also effective for mm -hmm. uh, for the clients, and of course also for uh, for the agency. So it just came about like just everything can be any tactic can be made bad or good. I think really depending on the. Um, the the motivations and the quality um, around it. So um, I set out to uh, to do link building well uh, back when you know yeah people were weren't interested in it but but because I was I'd been working at home I started this agency I sat in my sat in my living room uh, I started I getting back into link building and it was really effective it was like what I was doing was working really well I was white labeling for other agencies at the time. And uh, do, doing the link building work for their clients because agencies didn't want to um, didn't want to do it either. Also, didn't know how, uh, but they knew they needed it. And um, yeah, so there was like it it was just before the cost of it all sort of taken off again. And uh, and then we we sort of um, uh, kept shouting about it and kept kept winning clients because of the results that you know that it brought. And uh, I think uh, yeah, it comes down to the quality. And uh, I was the first. I often say this: the ratio uh, in when I speak at masterminds and things like that, I see that other agencies get the ratios wrong. They have all SEOs and no creatives, no or not enough creatives and content. The ratio for us was um, there. It wasn't until the seventh person that I hired another SEO. Prior to that, everyone was a creative or a writer because the web's all about content, right? And links go between content links you know link to and from content so that shows how much we prioritized the creative aspect i could generate enough work on my own as the seo um to uh for you know five or six writers or or, or design I don't want to generalize too much, but I think, you know, I think Pete and I obviously have got a reasonably big network of agencies and we would say that, you know, it feels to, probably feels to us, people probably, I don't know whether he feels exactly the same, but like almost like it's sort of the ratio of paid search and paid search to do a bit of SEO mm -hmm. to pure play SEOs was like eight to two. Like you, you wouldn't find many only SEO agencies. Yeah. And and if you did find them, obviously they'd fall into a couple of camps. Maybe some were quite technical. Mm -hmm. But then what's interesting is that actually when I look at often those paid search, those those paid search and you know, an organic search, and maybe they do some paid media as well. But if they don't do paid media, they don't have that necessarily that creative. They they're missing that kind of content creative PR side. And yeah. clearly you you've tuned into that quite early. Mm -hmm. So you're not the only agency in the country that's growing really fast right now, who specializes in this particular area. Yeah, I know you, exactly. you have your own niches you work in, but, but, um, but I think it's, yeah, but it's, and, and really, I guess, I mean, I got, I'll talk to you a bit about this, but the, it felt like almost the SEO world was converging more right with the PR world. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And you uh, all that happening, did you? Yes, absolutely. And uh, we were like, we were, like borrowing PR tactics and uh, PR ways of doing things and applying it to our um, to our link building campaigns, still from an SEO perspective, uh, very much, which was ta tactical, technical, um, uh, you know, a sharp edge to it, and it, it got it got results. You know, with that, with that, um, you know, using that that style of work and um, applying it in a and knowing the knowing how the algorithm works. And how to play to the nuances of the Google algorithm, give it what it wants uh, to uh, to understand the authority and uh, the relevancy of the site, and um, uh, yeah, it was it was very 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 effective and uh, really took off. And it went on, you know, um, big brands started to take note again. You know, publicly listed companies, London Stock Exchange, New York Stock Exchange brands, and um, yeah, wanted to invest invest into into link building again because they could see oh actually this is you know this is all above board stuff now like this is really good this is actually you know it's content marketing it's digital pr uh you know it's creativity 
It's almost um, like you gamify it in an ethical way rather than gamify it in a in a in a in a manipulation in a, in a manipulative negative way, right? It's like exactly, yeah, uh, because like we could see, um, and there's there's nothing. Yeah, I think there's there's nothing wrong with that. If I, we look at digital PR campaigns and they're leaving value on the table as we see it, because I look that because they've missed a few SEO tricks, and I'm right. like, they've just done this, or if they just if they've just been able to uh, to drive it through to the right category or the right uh, page in the site, or they they've got their internal linking structure right, um, or uh, the campaign was better aligned with the with the right um, search terms and things like that, it would have had not only the PR benefits because of course there's so much benefit. Uh, you know, PR has its own goals and objectives, and it's like. Um, you know, but they can also hit the SEO objectives at the same time with with um, a, with with an awareness um, of of how SEO works and how the algorithm works. Yeah. So we very much brought those two together. And I always say we've got a slide which is um, you know uh, PR SEO with the the seeker pipe in the middle. And you know in computer science the pipe means and or so PR and or SEO. So it's been matching those two. Uh, techniques together when uh, there wasn't um, you know it was a, a un unique makeup of agency and people used to say are you an SEO agency or are you a PR agency and uh, you know we're, we were very much uh, in the middle of both and then we've expanded now into like the full spectrum of um, yeah. of certainly of SEO. One of the things that we noticed Gareth was when um, when COVID struck last year the pandemic first struck actually a lot of the people who worked in the paid search areas a lot of their work they'd always been very proud of the monthly retainers that they they get and all of a sudden their work got paused and but all of a sudden their clients said hey listen look we're not doing any paid such but if you do any seo we'll pay for that and i, yeah. I definitely noticed a demand from the from the client side almost understanding that now it was about long-term investment and that yeah. that quick win seo stuff couldn't really work right because yeah. it was you know there wasn't maybe the you know they need to build demand uh, they've already got the supply. What they need now is more demand for the long term. So everyone started investing in it. Did you notice that as well? Um, well, you didn't really do paid search, so you probably didn't. But. We don't, no, we don't. But we also, we often have to, A, compete with it on a, as a channel with our clients because uh, either they've got their in-house paid team um, uh, quite often. And this is fresh in my mind because I've just come out of a, uh, a big renewal pitch, actually. And uh, I've been crunching the numbers on this. And... Um, uh, yeah, they. It's very easy to get. Uh, for I understand it, you know, for marketing uh, leads and directors and things to to go down the route of paid because it's low risk. Uh, it brings the consistent results. It brings immediate results. But the downside is it's costly, and uh, like I've just been crunching the numbers on cost per lead for for a PPC. Uh, you know, versus SEO for a client. And uh, whilst they both started off about the same over time, the, the SEO um, CPL has come down because uh, it's exponential. Once you rank, you you know, it's, it's semi-static. Of course, the web is, you know, is, a move, uh, uh, is uh, you know, alive in some, some ways. Things do uh, ebb and flow. Uh, but generally, uh, you'll stay there. It's, you know, it's earned earned media right versus owed, owed media and um yeah if you forecast that for two three years uh time then the cost per lead has come down right from 400 quid down to you know 10 10 pounds so um yeah i don't know if that was answering your question or not yeah but. yeah i think I, I mean i guess it was more around the fact that indeed did, did i guess demand I think it's I think it's become as you said earlier on really it's become a bit more obvious now that you do need to invest in the SEO think people are yeah. a bit more mature about the quick win scenario but ultimately that that you know that CTR is going to be you know this the called the CTA is going to be a lot less over time yeah. to make that investment but it doesn't make one or the other right or wrong right you've got to do right. both but it's just but I'm really fascinated about I I really like the way that over time you know, agencies, traditional agency models and modern agency models have kind of come together, you know. Yeah. You sort of see, you know, maybe originally, you know, in you know, advertising marketing agencies, you know, converging with more digital areas like just, you know, 
creative and social for example and it's just, it's very interesting and now seeing pr almost do you think a lot of pr agencies will start wanting to buy seo companies now to try and add value or recruit in that area or do you think they'll just always stick to what they know well it would it will become it would just become the de facto right it's just going to be uh the the default like we'll probably just lose the digital uh in it all digital yeah. uh, but even between digital versus uh, you know, SEO, they're still, they need to work together. And yeah, maybe, maybe they'll um, uh, acquire, the, you know, acquire SEO agencies because with that capability, it's, um, it's certainly symbiotic. When you combine those two strategies uh, together, you can, uh, yeah, you can get, you know, win on, win on all fronts. So, yeah, I guess so. I say, do you think it would be the other way around? Do you think SEO businesses might start buying PR agencies for the clients? Yes, exactly. I, well, I guess the SEO world is much, uh, you know, it's much newer, newer industry, isn't it? So, uh, so I guess the PR agents, you know, the the global, the networks, uh, etc. Let me ask you a question because well, it's quite an interesting one. So you 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 focus in technology niche, don't yeah. you? So do you, would you see now there being more, like as you scale, and obviously you're growing very quickly now, at some point, would you see there being a big opportunity to maybe go and acquire a, a PR business working in technology because they have, I don't know, the relationships with the journalists, they might yeah. have, you know, would that be something that you would now do? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've, we've done that on a, like an individual level, acquiring that skill set in house. And that's how, that's how we moved from, you know, my background as a technical SEO into, uh, into the PR tactics by hiring people who had that awareness and had done uh, PR work in the past, train them up on the strategic, the technical aspects of SEO. And then you've got, you know, a, you know somebody who can deliver at Seeker uh, on the, on the style of work that we, that we do. So yeah, absolutely. By an, um, buying a PR agency is uh, a good fit, but we're already there like in terms of our capability. Uh, yes. Yeah, so today, what, you know, what, what are you like now? Obviously, you now you had a, you had a, an office and a team before yeah. COVID. Talk to us about, I guess, what, what, what's happened through that period for you and where's the future as well in terms of uh, your now an office. It'd be good to know what that journey, just share what that journey has been like. Um, since uh, lockdown and everything, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, how many people were you going into lockdown? Uh, good question. So, around last twenty, last twenty, less than twenty. <laughs> not quite, not quite. So you around twenty people, and then you go yeah. into, then you go into lockdown. Everyone suddenly gone remote, and yeah. then and you didn't, but you didn't, you didn't renew your office, did you? Is that right? What did you so, do? Yeah, our lease lapsed halfway through. Uh, lockdown. Yeah. Well, that's not quite the full story because just before the Jan Feb meetings we had, we oh. were literally looking <laughs> yeah. around new offices that were like four thousand square feet, and you were what that far away from <laughs> yes. You, in the office. You saved me actually. You saved us uh, a lot of lot of money there uh, because we yeah we were looking at growing and moving into a new uh, new off. Uh, you know we we were growing and we'd we actually the the old office was holding us back from hiring. Um, at this time, we were taking on as many ad hoc rooms in this building as we could. And uh, it's like, right, we need a bigger office so we can, you know, because we're growing so fast. So we were on the hunt. We'd been looking for like six months for the perfect place in uh, Bristol City Centre. Uh, been to lots of viewings and uh, started to enter and get found somewhere really, really great. Perfect. Uh, for Well, I mean, it was probably still a little bit too small. Um, and uh, we started to enter into the negotiations um, and we were, you know, we were doing that. Pete, Pete was helping uh, with that side of things as well, of course. And um, uh, yeah, and then lockdown happened. It got it got announced. I don't even know if the official lockdown had happened, but certainly the rest of the world, was, yeah, yeah, the rest of the world was starting to lock down. And we were like, hang on here, what's going on? I actually sent the whole office home before the government announced it a few days, a couple of days earlier at least, because I thought. Oh, this is this is scary. Like, I don't know. You know, I've got to think about the people. So I said, we're already really good at you know remote working anyway. So I was like, everyone, just take your laptops home. We're going to work from home until further notice. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> One year later. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, anyway, um, we, uh, yeah, and the, 
I thought, God, do I do I sign this? Do we like we actually had the negotiated contract in front of it, us? It, I think from my recollection of it, it felt like you were being swept along a little bit in the process and almost you were too loyal and ethical to to pull out at, at the end. And it was just like, I think it was just the right call at the right time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it absolutely was, yeah. No, and, um, no one knew how long this was going to go on for or, you know, the size and scale of it. So, yeah. Didn't want to miss out on this, this like, you know, this great office. And we just done yeah, all these had the helipad didn't it in the swimming pool that <laughs> exactly one. yeah yeah so i didn't want to miss out on all of that so i remember calling Pete, and i was like Pete, like should i sign this and it, straight away no hesitation no don't sign it you'll, you'll get a be- you'll get a better deal anyway so um yeah uh, yeah what i'm curious what i'm curious to know is because i know you have a reasonably youngish team i know that you, you know it's 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 a younger team compared with maybe some of the agencies I go into. What what is the plan now for you guys moving forward? Will you always now work fully remote? No, we're we're on the hunt for a new office as we speak. Um, already, all the agents are getting in touch. As soon as the government announcement came out, the mail shot went. Uh, it was primed yeah. already. Um, so, how's your team feeling about what are they going to do? do? Have you spoken to them yet and surveyed them, or is it too early to find out? Yeah, it's, it's absolutely been like a joint decision. What does everyone want? What does everyone think? And the general consensus is everybody likes a little bit of working from home, uh, but they also like a little bit of working in the office too. So it's going to be a combination uh, of that. We're going to. We never really had, you know that many restrictions anyway we had like, it's funny now but we had uh working from home was like a, one of the perks on you know on the list of like perks <laughs> yeah. uh, no, we we've got an office it's one <laughs> yeah that's the perk now isn't it <laughs> yeah um, so uh so we were already really good everyone had an allowance uh, of over- Actually, joking aside it probably will be a perk in the future <laughs> yeah. we have an office yeah, yeah. we have one uh, so we, yeah, we're going to go for the hybrid model, and already we, we're, like, we're hiring people further afield, so it opens up the the catchment area for uh, for talent, which has been uh, which has been a good move. So um, when we're just we're going to have an office, and we're, we're carrying on with what we uh, with what we set out to do, and um, uh, but we're also not going to be restricted by the office either. What was because um, obviously you were in the the perfect position, having you know managed to exit your office contract last August, and you yeah. know been working from home, and you're well capable of doing that as an agency. When you canvass the team and ask for their opinion, what was the you know the main driver in terms of you know getting back an office? What was the feedback from them? Community, you know, being you know being with their mates again, yeah. Uh, you know just uh you know the laughing and joking the impromptu uh chats the spontaneity uh you know the laughs and the jokes just the silly stories you know like uh, spencer you shared on um on linkedin the other day or a week or two ago uh just before you know during a big pitch and you're all in the office late and you're like just playing silly games and stuff and yeah those, those memories that uh, whilst I, you know, I also enjoy just focusing at home, sitting here and getting uh, uninterrupted and getting, um, you know, breaking the back on a project or something. Uh, it's those memories, you know, it's the, the experience, the agency experience and the, and, and the lifestyle that um, that we're lacking. I get it for the big corporate. So uh, when I go walk into those, you know, some of those offices, like it's, uh, yeah, I wouldn't like to be in that environment either. But the agency world, thankfully, is, you know, it's a cool, vibrant uh, you know, fun, friendly, open, you know, progressive atmosphere. And it would be a shame for us to to all lose that, I think. So, uh, yeah, I think- I mean, we were talking to, uh, I was on Clubhouse talking to Tina Fijan, who is a procurement expert. And even she was saying she feels that the clients will want to still want the agency to go back to the offices because ultimately clients often like escaping their off their businesses their homes now maybe and their offices and going and visiting their teams and stuff so yeah. i do think it's going to be a benefit to the clients as well mm-hmm. and actually talking about that gav because i know your your clients are actually global aren't they they're not they're not all in the uk are they you've got a good percentage that are overseas isn't it yeah probably about 50 50 i would say yeah um, do you so you had that before, before COVID though, was, was it? For the beginning, five years ago, we were, we yeah. were at some point it's been up to like 70, 80% um, wow. stateside, uh, North America, et cetera. 
And so you've, you've, you, in a way, because I, I felt, I actually did a talk at Bristol Media, funnily enough, very near you, and I said I felt like uh, regional areas like Bristol would really benefit post-COVID because I think it would make long distance. I, by the way, and I think I've seen this in a recent report. I, I know this is a fact. Like um, a lot of our clients have increased their overseas clients in the past 12, or not just overseas, but even the regional regionality of their clients in the last 12 months. So I guess, but it hasn't really changed for you because tech businesses have always been pretty good at working remotely and working on yeah. video anyway. Yeah, we, like, from, the, from the outset, we, we started working with big tech and uh, a lot of that came from America, of course, so, uh, and Canada and so on. So, um, yeah, so uh, we had very few clients in the, uh, in the UK and, um, at first and like we... we you know, we have a lot more now as naturally we've just like organically grown uh, our UK market share. Uh, but even still in Bristol, it's um, uh, we're, we're not certainly not, a, you know, a local business or even a, uh, a national business. Um, so, you know, you get you get one, uh, you win one client in, in, in one area and they move on and uh, they like the work that you did. So, you know, yeah. uh, they sign you up or they or pass on referrals. So it's just it's just happened that naturally that way working working with big tech brands and, and bristol bristol's become a, a really big like i know for um there are certain pockets of the uk that have really grown edinburgh's one um bournemouth is another but bristol got recently was one of the largest amount of tech investments in europe was going yeah. into bristol and it, it's interesting because pete and i um you know we we had a, some dealings with an american organization in the last year and they were looking to expand into the UK and they they actually said that Bristol was their target location. Right. So it, it clearly from an overseas perspective, Bristol is seen as an attractive destination. I'm guessing the universities, I'm guessing the culture of Bristol, like it's young people, was it voted the for students, I think voted it the the happiest place to live or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Yeah. What are the other advantages as far as you're concerned about Bristol as a as a as you know as a as a regional part of the uk uh sorry say that last bit again what, what, are the, what do you think the real benefits are of being in bristol right. uh, well yeah there's lots, lots of lots of talent lots of great talent here and like you say it's the universities uh, it's also um brands like dyson uh being here and uh i i've been going to well before lockdown i uh, before pandemic i was going to the artificial intelligence um, and machine learning meetups and i was it was really interesting to see how many were dyson or x dyson and then uh, all of these other app development companies as well moving in from uh, internationally into uh, into bristol and they were i think there was a, a big app development company from singapore which where they were looking for somewhere to put their um you know uh, a regional hq uh, that was uh, had good tech talent, but also was you know more cost effective in terms of running an office there. So um, yeah, so you know there it's just it's just started a um, you know all of these offshoots and all of these uh, all these startups in the area. So there's lots of development, lots of tech in the area. So, um, so do you think that in the sort of medium to long term, you could see yourself opening an office? stateside or do you think now you'll still just keep the office and then just expand your recruitment globally to add to a hybrid model yeah well we, i mean we'd already you know again pre-lockdown we started doing the research uh, i was over in the states like a third of the year at the time or, or all over the place really but i was certainly out of the uk for uh, a third of the year and i thought we may as well get an office over here uh, so started looking into uh, uh, into that. So that will be back on the card soon. Um, same for uh, same for London um, uh, as well. Just to have because uh, I was up and down, you know, in, into London quite regularly. It's not that far. We've got the high speed rail link from Bristol now uh, from Virgin, which is an hour and fifteen minutes. So that's amazing. Uh, I think yeah. I think one of the trains from where I live takes longer than that to get to London. <laughs> exactly. Thirty miles outside of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, straight into Paddington from Temple Meads. Yeah, didn't they break the record or something? I'm sure I, I read an article where they'd broken the record for the fastest ever train from Bristol to London or something like that. Yeah, was... That, was the, that was the new high-speed rail link. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't so think that's... anyone's been able to take advantage of yet, but um, <laughs> maybe I don't know if it's launched yet or not. But it's a Virgin, Virgin line. 
Amazing, amazing. Well, that's definitely, I think those transport is. So, so do you feel more optimistic just about, you know, in a post-COVID world about the sort of less London-centric, you know, there's been a lot of London-centricity. I think 62% yeah. of all businesses were based, you know, in London or the southeast. And I think, yeah. do you, do you, are you, are you more hopeful that the, that the, the economic outlook for the UK will be more, you know, will be more diverse? Will it be spread out more around the UK now because of it? Yeah, I really hope so. I think it's the right thing for, for the economy. And um, we're getting lots of, because what's happening is everything's getting so saturated, you know, property prices and things. We've, we've hired a, a significant number of people who have moved out of the London uh, you know, ecosystem to, to the way somewhere they wanted to get out of out of it all and uh, go somewhere where they had a bit more of a balance of, um, you know, somewhere somewhere cool to live, but also uh, they you know they can get good good jobs in tech and things like that. So, uh, and hopefully that's uh, you know something positive that we can take from uh, from the pandemic that it doesn't all need to be centralised around this one nucleus, which uh, certainly isn't going to be good for the environment and. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, and so yeah, certainly with tech, you know, we um, our clients, we do our monthly reporting calls, or you know, sometimes weekly ad hoc project based calls, visit them, uh, you know, quarterly. So, um, and we were doing that before. So, um, yeah, why not? Amazing. And um, so, so Acostas has uh, made a comment on LinkedIn. I don't know if sure he's still listening because he, he made it about half an hour ago. But he said, Gareth is busy today. I'm sure I watched a Brighton SEO talk from you earlier. <laughs> yes, uh, I did. A, yeah, I had a Brighton SEO um, prezzo earlier on. Uh, so, yes. And I wanted just to talk to me a little bit about Brighton SEO because yeah. I, I think, you know, I've obviously been aware of it for a long time. I've, I, I've never really, you know, I did do a bit of SEO of my agency, but I, I haven't really got involved with it. But everyone's always told me such great, great things about it. What what does Brighton SEO you know how does it help you and what does it do for you and your and your agency? Yeah, so I guess it's really it's really important to like to me on a personal level and uh, and to the agency as well. Uh, you know, we were just talking about all of this remote working, um, but like it's it's they're the opportunities. Like if we make the meetups meaningful, you know, if we let's meet up on a um, on a maybe less regular basis, but make it really, really worthwhile. And, and Brighton SEO really represents that uh, for me. It's a time when I get to see, it's a time when all my American friends and clients and suppliers and things, they're flying over for the event. Uh, so I get to see, you know, old friends, uh, reunite with old friends. I see people from all over the UK as well, uh, who I, you know, um, you know, friends again, people I work with. And uh, everybody just gets together into this. It, Brighton, it just gets... It's like the Glastonbury of SEO, I think someone uh, described it as. So it's I go there, for, it's a whole week now. The event's only, you know, uh, well, two days, one, you know, one training day and one conference day. Uh, it got to the point, that, like the last in-person in one, I was going down for like a whole week and I was just staying in Brighton for the week because people are coming, coming and going. I just camped out there and was just going out for dinners and drinks and uh, having client meetings and things. So... Um, so it's, yeah, it's really important to me on, on that basis, on a personal social level, uh, the yeah. professional aspects of it, uh, you know, aside, because I've made some amazing, you know, great friends, um, over the, over the many years working in this industry. So, um, so I was going, I've been, I had, go on. But you do, you do a lot of training there as well, don't you? So yeah. tell, um, tell me about that. What, what sort of stuff do you, do you do there? So I'm, uh, yeah, uh, I I started and now now with my my good colleague Laura, uh, we run the link building training course for uh, for Brighton SEO. So that's uh, a one day course training uh, in house uh, SEOs, PRs on uh, on link building. Uh, other eight, many agencies as well come come onto our course and uh, um, uh, learn learn about link building. Of course, we you know we're giving away some of our knowledge and things, but. Uh, uh, and then uh, you know, which is always fun. I enjoy and always enjoy teaching. And, um, uh, and then, of course, it's you know, it's really good validation of, of our work and and what we do. And uh, quite often, clients can go, people can go away and you know, implement that stuff themselves in their own agency. But uh, we get to, we also get some really big uh, uptake from it as well. After the course, we want you to come and come and work for our brand. So, 
so yeah, that's always a, you know, I'm usually speaking as well um, uh, on, on the Friday. So it's a Thursday's training course, uh, Friday um, uh, on the stage and things. So uh, yeah, so it's good fun. It's a busy time. So it's today. And after this, I'm straight after this, I'm going, I'm uh, uh, moderating the, an expert panel at Brighton this year as well. So wow. four or five. <laughs> it in today. I oh, know, yeah, it's a bit of a... Uh, of a superstar day today for these. So, so, so yeah, just really, I guess one sort of final question, really, from yeah. me. Is I'm, I'm really, at the moment, I've got, I'm quite kind of, um, I've always been a bit of a futurist myself, right? So you'd have loved it when I started doing SEO back in 1999. You, I could get anyone to the top of any search engine because yeah. all you did was you rebranded them with an exclamation mark at the front of their name and it, everything was sorted in in a character order. So you just go straight to the top of the search engine. <laughs> uh, but wow. I'm always a bit of a futurist. I'm always want, I always encouraging the people I work with to look at the now, yeah. next and future of what they're doing. And you're probably not aware of that. Yeah. Uh, but t- tell me what is the, what is the sort of the next and the future now for the SEO world? I mean, I'd yeah. like to hear where you've obviously got a good intuition because you've been doing this for what, almost 15, 16 years now, I think. So yeah. where, where do you think it's going to, where do you think the next, you know the next stage of it will be yeah well i think it's really important to always be on that i learned i learned back when i was 21 and i started that when i was running that agency the tactics that i was using became out of date google no google no longer rewarded you know those sort of tactics so um so yeah it was was ineffective and i've learned uh being you know always being into tech uh, i'm fascinated by um yeah, the development of, of, of technology, AI, uh, machine learning. And uh, learning about those just as a hobbyist has uh, taught me a lot about the algorithm. And uh, and it, it's enabled me to preempt the algo as well, right? Um, where um, where is Where would Google be taking it in future? And we know where because they – they've got this search quality rating guidelines document, which lists all of the things that they want the algorithm to do, but they still need humans to manually train the, you know, it's training data for, for the machine learning algos. So that, and then also just, just preempting thinking ahead. Uh, and it's, um, that's so it's interpreting almost what the machine learning is, how, how it's deciding how to rank, uh potentially you know sites you're gonna to have to almost try to anticipate yeah what machine learning is really yeah. Right? yeah exactly so I'm, I'm here experimenting with um google's natural language understanding apis uh, which they sell as a product for apps and uh, platforms to use is that tensorflow uh, stuff yeah that sort of thing yeah TensorFlow yeah. Is like a, um yeah an earlier framework i think but um yeah, they uh, by learn by that's the same technology that's built into their algorithm, right? It's built by the same engineers. So if we've got access to that API and we can learn it, learn about it, use it, then we can understand what's what's capable, uh, what it's capable of, and then what if we project forward and think about what it's capable of in future, build for that uh, because the algorithm is going to get like um, yeah, the NLP stuff. Google's getting so 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 good at reading content and not just the key keyword matching as it used to be it's all about the semantics and the understanding of that that post and uh, link building is, is also going to go that way as well so. websites will adopt ai to combat it so they can they can perform better and link, link list better as well yes well i mean they already are i mean plat- tools so seo tools and platforms and software are trying to take their um their nlp uh, frameworks and uh, and use that to optimize content and align it with, uh, you know, with 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 the algorithm. So, but ultimately, what it comes down to is do what you would. And my head of SEO many years ago, when I worked at an agency, you know, he said when I was trying to work out how to structure a website for SEO, and he said, "Well, what would you do as a user?" It was a it was a party website, right? Organizing red balloons or, or green balloons of different shapes. And he's like, "How should I order organize this data?" Um, and he said, well, what would you do as a human? Forget about SEO and forget about Google. What seems most logical sense to you? And then go with that. And uh, by taking that approach, we're able to, 
because uh, the algorithm is just going to catch up to, you know, it's just trying to do what we, we can do as humans, but at scale by sorting the whole of the web's information and, and ranking it in order. So that's why things like digital PR are, are going to be future-proof tactics. And actually, Google, just, just this year, despite often not being particularly uh, fond of link building, has uh, praised uh, praised digital PR-type ta tactics uh, for this reason, because you're putting the user first, you're putting content first, uh, rather than trying to, you know, get shortcuts. Also, really, Google should be really happy, because ultimately you're getting, you're, you're encouraging getting content, not just on you know, in digital environments, but in traditional environments that then are taking people to, you know, to, so, you know, I, printed uh, journalism ends up going online and those links end up going back. So ultimately it kind of completes an ecosystem as well, doesn't it? I think in a way, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's all digital first and it goes out to being published, but in a way it brings everything and a lot of those big publishers obviously carry a lot of weight, I would imagine, with the link building. So, um, Pete, did your door just move by itself then? Sorry. <laughs> I had to move it because um, the, the the builder who's coming here Monday decided to turn up and have a very loud conversation with my wife about what he's doing on Monday. <laughs> the door. Oh, I didn't hear it. I didn't hear it at all. No. I really wish we'd heard what was going to happen to your house on Monday. Yeah. <laughs> Is the roof coming off? Part of the roof is coming off, actually. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so just really, um, I know that you've only got a couple of minutes left before we have yeah. to finish. But um, also, look, I, I know that, you know, once, although I've met you years ago, you and Pete actually then met kind of along the journey before yeah. I, I came back and started see, getting more involved with you guys. How did that all come about? What happened? Well, I think um, Gareth is one of the very very few people in life has actually seen me speak publicly yeah that was it it was a tour really? right yeah one of my people. first gigs yeah uh cash flow uh people speaking on cash flow after like six months into running seeker cash flow was always at the forefront of my mind right you know bootstraps i was amazed day, that, so. i was amazed that you came to speak to me afterwards because everybody else ran out <laughs> well that's the thing you know i'd uh, I'd, I'd met you once before. You, I didn't pop down as much as uh, Spencer did when, uh, you know, uh, back when uh, you coached coaching other agencies. But, uh, you know, I obviously knew, uh, you know, so yeah, I came and knew who you were, come and had a chat and was really impressed with the talk and just thought, we've got to get him in. We've got to get him in. We, like, we, cash flow, he's talking about cash flow. Like, uh, so um, I'll send you that 20 quid that we agreed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, Pete came in for for one workshop session at the end of our first yeah first six months and uh, gave us enough financial guidance for a year to get us by through the first year and um, uh, that was really really valuable really helpful info. So we got because um, all the yeah finance was all outsourced and things at the time. So um, yeah, so uh, and then year two. It's like that was that was good advice. Like uh, Pete, can you come in a little bit more often? And uh, I think about we went on to quarterly. Then the way I tell the story, it was like once the first year, twice the second year, and yeah, then maybe yeah, yeah. It's like we for you to come twice now this year. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So um, uh, yes, yeah, so it came in, um, and it just increased from there to the point you know now you know. Uh, with, with you on board as well, Spencer. It's like, you know, uh, monthly. Yeah, though I've not actually seen you because we've been in COVID since I started working with you. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we've seen, well, actually the last time was the London uh, meetup and we did the walk around um, uh, around London, remember? Yeah, that was amazing. That was, yeah, that was good. I got that in just in time, I think, because after that. Yeah, it was literally like two, three days or was, yeah. lockdown. I remember... We were on South Bank, so we so everyone knows what we would we did a street wisdom. Check out streetwisdom.org. It's a, a mindfulness walk event. And in fact, I got um I got an agency phonics cap the other day because someone who came there happened to meet another agency owner and, and they they ended up winning this major pharmaceutical account right. partnership. So, you know, please everyone come to our events. They can be good for partnerships and new business. But it was a really alternative event, wasn't it? Because it was more about mindfulness. It was more about yeah, walking, yeah. observing, and and then we yeah. had a nice lunch and dinner afterwards. But I was quite nervous that day. I I was kind of like you, aware that the world was about to turn. And um, yeah. but uh, yeah. yeah, 
at least we got that one thing in. So I'm looking forward to some more real life stuff. Yeah. yeah. So thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I'm really aware of time because I know that you have to get on now. Um, So thanks for sharing your story. And I just really wish you all the best of luck with the next part of the journey. And just congratulations again on that. Deloitte Tech Fast 50 achievement. It's amazing. And, you know, your growth is fast and it sounds like it's really reasonably fast and controlled growth, not fast and out of control growth with it, which I think is, which is a really, really powerful thing to have. So good luck this afternoon with your, with your, your event. Thanks, guys. So, Great to be here. Thank you, so thanks everyone for tuning in, listening. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. And uh, I just, I guess, leave you with all the thought, which is what's the now, next and future of the services that you're doing in your agency. Um, So, yeah, look, thanks so much. Uh, If you haven't already started to follow us on Clubhouse, we now have our agency uh, Nomics Club up and live. And we're starting to set up some more regular events there. So please follow me, follow Pete and follow the Agency Nomics Club. Uh, You're more than welcome there. And always, please like and subscribe to this channel if you're watching on YouTube today. Uh, And we are also available on Spotify for all the back episodes, as well as iTunes as well. So listen, thanks, everyone. Have a great weekend. And that is a wrap.